Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you checking out the KIB pod, whether you're doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. And again, you can tell... Everybody that you know that is an Ice Bears fan, that's an SPHL fan, just about this podcast, if you know somebody that would like to listen, but be sure to spread the word about the podcast and always helps to leave a five-star rating or review, follow, subscribe, however you get your podcast, whatever platform you're using, make sure to do anything that you can to help support the KIB podcast. Well, that was ugly over the weekend. If we're just being honest, this has been one of the most weird stretches of hockey that I've ever seen in nine seasons of being part of this franchise. Uh, With that being said, Knoxville still has a lot to play for. And if you've been unaware of what's kind of been going on with the team recently, Knoxville has given up six goals or more in five consecutive games now. And it was coming off a stretch where I don't, I don't think anybody really saw this coming. I, I mean, I don't think fans, coaches, players, there, there weren't any massive personnel changes over the course of the month of March. Uh, obviously, towards the end of the month, Knoxville got healthy. If, if anything, at the end of this whole stretch, a couple of things have happened that would make you think that things were going to get even better. But, you know, towards the end of February, obviously, everything happens with the Roanoke series. And then you start off March with, a shutout win over Roanoke. You you go on the road and, and take care of business against Macon. You you go to the Pensacola Base Center and you split with the Ice Flyers. Then you shut out Roanoke again. And so you're thinking, all right, we've got a nice little stretch of hockey here. I mean, to start off the month of March, Knoxville's won four of its first five games, two shutouts for Christian Stead, a nice defensive win against Pensacola. You know, things feel like hey, we, we got things clicking, and, you know, this is without Rexmo. This is without Justin McDonald, and this was before Cam Huff came back from the coast, and, you know, maybe a couple of other guys might come back before the end of the season. Obviously, a, a lot can happen between now and then, but it, it's almost like this team is still building and, and still getting better, and, you know, Nolan Slahetka's on the IR, so he'll get healthy soon, and, it's just all these things happening that made it look like, hey, maybe Knoxville's trending in the right direction when it comes to having an opportunity to to climb the standings. And Knoxville has another big home game against Roanoke. They shut him out the night before. Knoxville has a 4-3 lead going into the third period. And suddenly the Ice Bears give up four unanswered goals, or I guess three unanswered goals, and then give up the empty netter. They lose seven to five. Then they go on the road, lose seven to six to Macon. Then they lose seven to five to Macon the following week. Then they have to hold off Macon and win eight to six. And then they lose this past Sunday to Roanoke seven to three. And before you know it, now Knoxville's given up 34 goals in five games. And it just suddenly it's this weird stretch where the ice bears have uh, only managed one win in their last five games 
after this really impressive shutout performance against Roanoke, where, yeah, I know that Stead maybe got a little bit fortunate with a couple of Roanoke shots hitting the post, but, you know, talking to Mitch Stewart, the voice of the Rail Yard Dogs, he thought that Knoxville outplayed Roanoke in that game on March 17th, and he said, yeah, even if a couple of those post shots go in, I don't know if it ultimately changes the the end result of the game. He thought that the shutout was well-earned, and, and Stead played really, really well, and he noted that too. I thought Roanoke set up its chances, but... It just a matter of a little bit of puck luck, but you know, it, it was just kind of a back and forth. You never know how those those games could play out differently if you have a certain shot at a certain point of the game, if it goes in as opposed to not going in, and maybe the momentum changes and things of that nature. So obviously a lot of things can go either way. We've already talked about the the Roanoke and Macon games from that week, but you know, this past weekend, obviously very frustrating to lose that game against Macon at home. Knoxville really struggling with its penalty kill right now and giving up power play goals across the board. And at first it's a matter of, you know, Christian Stead being stretched out in that game on March 18th because, well, the, the penalties keep piling up and it feels like the pendulum is swinging in Roanoke's favor. And then you get a bad bounce in that one Macon game. And now you come back home, get another chance against Macon. And it seemed like the guys just came out a little bit flat. And, and so Knoxville, gets off to a really fast start, but then when Macon punches back, they take control of the game early in the third period, and Knoxville didn't seem to be ready for that. So Rasmus Waxen Engback scores two goals in the final five minutes of the second, gives Knoxville a 5-3 lead. Macon scored three goals in four and a half minutes to start the third period, and Knoxville just never recovered. And so the Ice Bears had to come out and start strong again the following night, but you know, still gave up a lead right away. Bailey Conger scored 10 seconds into the game, and then they give up a goal to Wyatt Trumbly 21 seconds later. And so it's this other back-and-forth affair that Knoxville gets the end result, but still kind of the same script despite getting the win. And th- this is not a team that necessarily wants to have to score seven goals in a game in order to have a shot at winning. And this has not been the case for Knoxville all season. Obviously, you've had certain games that have gotten out of hand for Knoxville. There was that really odd Birmingham game in mid-February where the Bulls scored four goals in the first five minutes and the the 8-5 to five Huntsville game back in January. There was the 7-1 to one game against the Havoc towards the end of January. But for the most part, this has not been a team that's given up six goals a game all season long, and which makes this stretch so weird. And I think that's what kind of helps Knoxville have... Thursday and Friday off of game days and they're not playing these three and threes. Instead, they get to focus on one game instead of thinking about the big picture. But it also shows that Knoxville has a lot to play for because of the way that the schedule lays out. So obviously a really weird stretch. Thought you saw some good things from Knoxville. I mean, the Ice Bears have you know only scored fewer than four goals once in their last six games. And so the offense has been there. And, and you know, typically... You know, three goals, that, that doesn't necessarily guarantee you a win, but three goals in that game on Sunday against Roanoke is the lowest scoring output that Knoxville had had in, in two full weeks. Three goals, oftentimes, it usually will get the job done against Roanoke just because they have such a defensive style of play. It doesn't mean they can't score goals when they need to because they most certainly can. They've had a couple of high-scoring wins against the Ice Bears this year, but Roanoke is also a team capable of winning those 2-1, to 3-2 to two type games, and so Roanoke obviously has the offense to get things going on with Mac Jansen and Nick Ford. I, I like the pickup of Alex DiCarlo. I think he's been a really nice addition for them. And I know that they've made more moves here in the past week to 
try to get ready for the postseason, and they've been willing to take away guys that have been contributors not just this season but last season as well. They got rid of Dylan Raiden and Brady Hepner recently. Garrett Sargis returned coming out of retirement to get ready for this playoff push. He had a goal against Knoxville on on Sunday. So, you know, Roanoke's got the offense, but they're not typically a team that you're going to see play these you know, seven to five type games, mainly because they don't have to because Austin Rodebush and Brody Clays have provided the goaltending that they've needed. And defensively, they, they've had a pretty steady core for most of the year. Jared Roman, CJ Valerian, Stephen Alvo, I know just went on the IR, but he's been a guy that's been there all year. Uh, so I, I think that you're just seeing stability within that lineup. And so it's allowed Roanoke to be willing to play those low scoring, low shot type of games now, the problem for Knoxville is it, it just can't seem to keep the puck out of its own net. And so hopefully it's able to buck that trend this weekend against Evansville. Evansville is a team that is willing to play those low-scoring types of games too, and especially with the goaltending they've gotten with Trevor Gorsuch, who has spent most of the last two seasons in the ECHL. He appeared in 50 games last year for Kalamazoo and was acquired midseason by Evansville and has essentially just taken over the goaltending duties full-time. I think Zane Steves has appeared in two games since the end of January. And Steves was you know, kind of battling with Henry Johnson for the starting job at the beginning of the year and then kind of took it over and, and was the guy for the majority of the first half of the season. And now Gorsuch is, not only has he taken over the, the starting job in Evansville, but he leads the league in save percentage and goals against average. Obviously, he's played significantly fewer games than those guys, but... He has now gotten to the point where he is eligible for postseason awards, um, and I'm not I'm not getting into whether or not I I think Gorsuch will or will not be honored because I know some people are going to look at it. Well, he's played in fewer games, even though he's eligible. I, I might elect to give my vote to this player who's played in almost twice as many games. And so I'm just pointing that out. But you know, Gorsuch has put up really solid numbers for Evansville despite uh, them dropping two of three to Pensacola. This past weekend, and Brad Arvanitis, another guy who, you know, another midseason acquisition in, in net for a team that has helped turn their season around to a degree. And and Pensacola still trying to find some offense. They've lost seven of their last ten, but they're picking up points. Only four regulation losses in that stretch, but two really important wins for Pensacola. And so now, as we kind of transition to talking about the league as a whole, and obviously, look, final note on Knoxville. They, they obviously need to figure something out defensively. Ultimately, I don't know where you pinpointed at because it, it's not as if goaltending has been the sole issue for this entire five-game stretch. And there, there have been times where I'm sure that Julian Syme and Christian Stead both probably had a couple of goals against that they would like to have back. But I also feel like there have been a couple of these games where they've just been put in a really tough spot. And I don't even think that's necessarily a defensive problem either. I, I think part of it has been there's been a lot of penalties called in a couple of these games. And even when the penalties started to die down, I think by the, after the aftermath settled from the first weekend, all that carries over into the second weekend. And whenever you have a game where a goalie is just repeatedly giving up four or five goals a game, that can start to mess with your psyche a little bit. Tanner Salisbury, I thought, did a good job talking about it when we were at that making game saying, hey, we've left Christian out to dry one too many times. You know, we, we can't just blame the officiating. We bring it upon ourselves. Like, we have to do a better job at handling the adversity the right way. And so for Knoxville needs to figure some things out defensively that the core that it's had right now on its blue line has been relatively steady. They did make a recent change, bringing in Kyle Thacker, getting rid of John DeRoche. And I think you've kind of seen that tweaking over the last couple of weeks, electing to get rid of DeRoche and place 
PJ DiMartino on waivers because I think you're seeing some similarities in play style. Guys that like to possess the puck, they want to carry the puck. And I think with the way that this team is built, what have we seen a lot of? Well, we're not seeing a lot of forwards block shots. And I don't think it's because forwards are not back checking. I think they're trying to. But I think what we're seeing are a lot of odd man rushes. And typically, if you're giving up three on twos and two on ones, it doesn't matter how hard you skate. Forwards aren't going to be in position to be able to lay out and block shots if you're constantly giving up odd man rushes and, and giving up shots on the rush. So it's really important for Knoxville to be able to slow the tempo down. And I think that's what Vincenzo Renda has been able to do a little bit. And I, I look at Kyle Thacker and, you know, a bigger defenseman who provides you some size, a guy that's a little bit more steady, maybe more of a defensive D-man. And so hopefully solidifies and anchors down your blue line a little bit more. And, and obviously you, you do have some offensive weapons. Rourke Russell, of course, had a, I thought he had a really solid offensive week last weekend. And then Kyler Matthews with his shot from the blue line, willing to let things rip. Ryan Devine scored on Sunday. And so I, I think you see guys that are, starting to figure out how to blend together a little bit more as we make these lineup changes. And so this is a really important measuring stick for Knoxville, I think, also because that, you know, that five seed is on the line. And and so it kind of comes down to right now, you know, who are you hoping to play? And obviously any team that you play against is going to be tough. You know, Knoxville's only two and one against Evansville this year. Roanoke has won the regular season series against Knoxville. Huntsville's won the regular season series. I think Birmingham and Peoria are probably going to end up with those top two spots right now unless Birmingham kind of plummets and Huntsville is able to string together some wins. The Havoc have actually lost three straight, got swept by Birmingham last week, and then the Havoc lost to Macon um, on on Sunday. So it, it kind of just goes to show right now you're looking at more than likely you're going to play either Huntsville, Roanoke, or Evansville in that first round. Now the seed, the home ice advantage, the the order of play, that can all still kind of be decided. So that's kind of my final note on the Knoxville-Evansville game coming up this Saturday. We'll have the call for you on 105.1 WKCE. Puck drops at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And of course, Union Place Barn Grill on Chambliss Avenue in Bearden is the site for the road game watch parties. Now for where Knoxville sits in the standings right now. I think I've mentioned this in the broadcast, but want to reiterate it again. Knoxville right now is sitting in sixth place with three games remaining in its regular season schedule. And again, Point percentage, not total points, is the tiebreaker because of Vermilion County folding. There are six teams out of 10 that had to play a 57th game. Knoxville is one of those teams. Now, of the four teams that only had to play 56 games, Huntsville, Roanoke, and Evansville all fall into that category, and they all have games in hand over Knoxville. Huntsville and Evansville have four games left in the season. Roanoke actually has five. So for right now... It's looking in Roanoke's favor that they're going to hang on to that four seed for the final home ice advantage spot in the top four for the first round of the playoffs. Now, here's where things kind of come into play for Knoxville. And again, any team can beat any team on any given day. But for Roanoke, they have to play Peoria twice this weekend. They have a game against Macon, and then they end the season with two games against Knoxville. So nothing has really been determined. Knoxville and Roanoke have the same number of points. If Knoxville gets a win over Evansville, you know, that could really bode well to set the stage for that final weekend in terms of Knoxville and Roanoke going against each other. So Roanoke definitely has the advantage right now. They have, they have a pretty sizable lead in point percentage because they've played three fewer games than Knoxville with the same number of points. But the path to make sure that Roanoke takes care of business obviously is going to be still kind of difficult because Peoria is obviously no slouch. They've been first place in the league for 
what feels like maybe the last three months now, and obviously Birmingham is closing in on them, but Peoria right now is sitting pretty with a big opportunity where if if, if I mean, if it sweeps Peoria this weekend and maybe Birmingham takes a loss to Evansville on Thursday night, well, you know, that could all but solidify everything for the Rivermen to to lock down that top spot. And, and Birmingham's made it interesting because they've gone on this absolutely massive tear over the last month and a half of the season. And Peoria, you know, they've kind of, they just dropped games here and there. And so now it's a three-point lead with both teams having five games remaining. So let's see what both teams are able to do. But if I had to guess right now, I don't think Huntsville is jumping back into that top two unless something goes seriously wrong for Birmingham. Uh, Because for Huntsville alone, um, right now with four games remaining, the best that they could do is tie Peoria in terms of points. So, I mean, one more win for Peoria and it all but guarantees that they can't fall behind Huntsville. So, Peoria has set itself up really well over these last two weekends to be in a top two spot. And and really, it's set itself up well to win another regular season championship. So Huntsville right now, five points behind Birmingham, but three points in, in front of Roanoke. And that's what Roanoke's playing for this weekend is that if they can get, you know, two plus points against Peoria in two games this weekend, then they're still playing for the opportunity to jump up into that three spot. And that's very much a possibility. So, um, you know, Huntsville's got Pensacola this weekend. That's not a guarantee. Granted, those games are in Huntsville, which definitely helps the havoc because of how good they've, they've typically been at home. So for Knoxville, if the Ice Bears win this game against Evansville, they'll jump the Thunderbolts in terms of point percentage, um, depending on what happens for the Thunderbolts on Thursday. Now, if Knoxville wins that game, obviously it clinches the head-to-head series. It would give Knoxville a, a three-to-one lead over the Thunderbolts head-to-head. Evansville would still have a game in hand, but Evansville's final three games outside of Knoxville are against Birmingham. So the Thunderbolts have three really, really tough games against the Bulls after that game against Knoxville. Obviously, one coming on Thursday and then two coming on the final weekend of the regular season. So for Evansville, the path to make sure that it stays in the top five or tries to jump into the top four is not easy. And obviously Knoxville's path isn't easy either, but the benefit for Knoxville is that it's final three games of the regular season are against the two teams it's trying to catch up to. And so you have that opportunity to claw your way back in because if you go and I mean, heck, if you sweep these three games, which would obviously be very, very difficult because those are two very, very good teams that you're going up against. Well, now you also have the strength of schedule playing in your favor where you're taking points away from those teams. You get yourself up to 69 points, and then Evansville and Roanoke essentially have to go through Peoria and Birmingham in order to to get back at Knoxville. Now, the Ice Bears, I think their bigger problem right now is you know making sure that you fortify the defense and get everything tied up on the backhand, and I think Knoxville would honestly be willing to just stay in the sixth seed if it knew its defense was going to get fixed going into the playoffs, but I think you'd also like to see the results show that, hey, Knoxville's getting wins in these final three games because they clean things up defensively and the new additions to the team have gelled well together and you feel like you have some chemistry going into the postseason. So that's why this game against Evansville still gives Knoxville a lot to play for. Roanoke has to go up against Peoria twice. They've got that game against Macon and then they have to play against Knoxville. So still a lot to be determined there. And then with Huntsville, you know, let's see what what happens with Pensacola. Now, to clarify, Pensacola obviously, you know, kind of struggled there for a little bit, dropped a couple of games a couple of weeks ago, and now they're sitting with just a three-point lead over Fayetteville. 
the marksmen do have a game in hand over Pensacola. So Fayetteville, meanwhile, for a while, it looked like it was fighting with Quad City for that eight seed, and that's not determined yet. But then Fayetteville, after having a nice little stretch here where it has points in seven of its last 10, is starting to catch up to Pensacola a little bit. And Fayetteville's got a huge series against Quad City this weekend. They're going to play each other twice. Um, you know, a sweep for Fayetteville all but guarantees them a playoff spot. And so for Quad City, it really, really needs two wins to have a shot at, at getting back against Fayetteville because the Marksmen have a six-point lead over Quad City uh, after Quad City dropped back-to-back games against Peoria. And then that looked like that weekend was going to go so well for Quad City after Kevin Resop just absolutely stole a game from the Rivermen, had a 43-save shutout. Quad City was outshot 43-13 to and still won the game. And then the next two nights, Peoria just absolutely blew Quad City out of the water. Um, and, and so for Quad City, it's really set them up with a situation where you, you, you need points. It, it, I mean, it, you got to, I mean, buckle down time had kind of come around a couple of weeks ago for Quad City, and they had gotten to a point where they had won seven of 10. But now there's two losses to Peoria. It, it's put them up in a situation where you, you need two wins against Fayetteville this weekend. And, and even if you get those, you're still playing catch up with Fayetteville. So Fayetteville, meanwhile, can start thinking about the seven seed and try to pull together some wins here. Pensacola cannot catch up to Knoxville. So if you've been looking at the standings and wondering, okay, well, what if Pensacola wins out? And what if Knoxville loses out? The best Pensacola can do is tie Knoxville straight up in points. And Knoxville has the head-to-head tiebreaker over Pensacola because they split four meetings. One of Knoxville's losses came in a shootout. So based off points, Knoxville cannot fall below the six seed. Pensacola cannot overtake Knoxville for that number six spot. So Pensacola is essentially trying to keep Fayetteville on its tail, and and Pensacola has not technically clinched a playoff seed either. So Pensacola still needs to try to get points. It needs to go and compete against Huntsville, two tough games on the road at the Von Braun Center, and then turns its attention to the following weekend where Pensacola is going to try to make sure it solidifies a playoff spot. So Pensacola has four games remaining. Fayetteville has four games remaining. Quad City uh, has five games remaining. So a lot of work to be done for Quad City, excuse me, Quad City actually has six games remaining. Quad City is one of the teams that plays 57 games. So there's so much to be determined throughout seeding. Nothing is really solidified. And so for Knoxville, it technically can jump in to that four seed, depending on what happens this weekend. Um, And it can supplant Evansville for the five seed. And, And so that means Knoxville has a number of playoff scenarios. If the Ice Bears stay in the sixth spot and Huntsville kind of sits there in that number three seed, well, then the Ice Bears are, are going to Huntsville in the first round of the playoffs. If Knoxville jumps up to number five and swaps places with Evansville and nothing else changes, the Ice Bears go to Roanoke. If Knoxville jumps into the four seed, depending on how Roanoke and Evansville shake out, the Ice Bears could potentially host either Roanoke or Evansville. So a lot of playoff matchups still to be determined. Um, theoretically, playing Birmingham in the first round is still on the table. I just would not anticipate that to be the case. And that, that's mainly just a, a compliment to Birmingham with how well they have played since mid-February. Uh, they've been excellent. They've won three straight. They've won nine of their last 10. I think the streak is something like 12 out of their last 13. Um, it, it's They're playing their best hockey at, at the right time of year. And so um, I, I do think that if the season ended today, we've got some really interesting playoff scenarios. So you would get Peoria and Fayetteville in the 1-8 matchup. And Fayetteville played Peoria in a three-game series earlier this year and had a third-period lead in all three games. Now, Peoria came back and won all three of them, 
but I think it goes to show how competitive Fayetteville is. And like half that roster for Fayetteville since then, there's been a lot of turnover and they've gotten much better goaltending now than they had back then. And with Peoria kind of just, you know, they're not playing lights out hockey. Obviously what they did to quad city kind of showed, Hey, we're, we're not messing around anymore. We know what time of the year it is, but maybe don't count out the marksmen if they end up facing Peoria in the first round. Birmingham and Pensacola would be a lot of fun because you've got two teams that love to play with pace, two teams that can be really high scoring. I think Pensacola has better goaltending now than it did during the first half of the year. It took Pensacola a really long time to figure out what they're going to do in net. They had Christian Pavlas. They had Alec Calvaruso. They've tried using um, so many different guys throughout the course of the season. And they had Henry Johnson for a while. And now they've really figured something out with Brad Arvanitis and Ned. I thought he played two really good games against Knoxville a couple of weeks ago. Dino Balsamo needed two third-period goals to steal a 2-1 to win away from Pensacola. Now, Birmingham obviously poses a threat because they're one of the highest-scoring teams in the league, and they play with a ton of pace. They get off a ton of shots on net, and right now they're just feeling it. So you've got a ton of things working in Birmingham's favor, but those two teams play each other so much during the course of the regular season that they know each other really well. And so I kind of wonder if that familiarity would make that a more interesting series, especially with Pensacola having the addition of Brad Arvanitis that can shore things up on the back end against one of the highest scoring teams in the league. Uh, Knoxville and Huntsville would be the 3-6 matchup. The rivalry matchup would definitely be a lot of fun. Huntsville obviously playing with a lot of emotion right now after... You know, this season being the last one for Huntsville bench boss, Glenn DiTullio. Uh, Interesting thing for Huntsville for the first round of the playoffs. They do not have the Von Braun Center available. So Huntsville would be playing at their practice rink, um, which means you're not playing in front of five, 6,000 fans. So I I think, you know, obviously it doesn't take away from the talent that Huntsville has on the ice. Tyler Piacentini, Cy Nutkovich, Rob Dara, Jacob Barber, Austin Martinson, Max Milosic's back in net. So I, I wouldn't take anything away from Huntsville just because they're playing in their practice rink. But I I think Huntsville players would tell you that they very much appreciate the fan support that they receive night in and night out and that they, you know, have over 5,000 fans on a pretty usual basis. And so I I think Huntsville players would tell you, yeah, it's great to be able to play in front of those fans. Um, But I would also say don't count them out just because they're having to play in, you know, less than 2,000 fans as opposed to, Five to 6,000 fans. Uh, and then that leaves Roanoke and Evansville for the 4-5 matchup, if that were the case today. And I just think that's a hard-fought defensive series that could be wildly entertaining uh, where potentially uh, you know you have some unsung hero that scores a timely goal or you have a goalie that steals the show because you've got Austin Rodebush and Trevor Gorsuch that have put up some of the better numbers in the league among SPHL goalies this year. So I, I think that would be a lot of fun to be had. And obviously, can't speculate too much right now because a lot could potentially change even as soon as this weekend, depending on what Roanoke does against Peoria. What does Evansville do against Knoxville and Birmingham? So still some things that have to be sorted out here. And, you know, if Huntsville struggles against Pensacola this weekend and Roanoke has a really successful weekend against Peoria, well, then, hey, then you have to start talking about Roanoke being in the three seed. And so that could shore things up a little bit. It, it feels like Knoxville and Roanoke are just destined to meet in that in the playoffs somehow, whether I guess it's in the 3-6 or the 4-5 matchup, but yeah, we, we you never know. So we, we could see what happens, and I think Knoxville is going to try to do everything it can to try to claw its way back up into the standings and ultimately make sure that the cohesion with a lot of the new pieces uh, is working for 
the new additions that have been made. And so if you haven't gotten caught up yet on what's happened this week for Knoxville from a roster standpoint, Carter Colthorpe and John DeRoche have been placed on waivers. Brandon Osmondson, a winger from Utica College, uh, has been brought in along with defenseman Kyle Thacker, who spent some time with Quad City and Evansville this year. Um, Thacker's a bit of an older defenseman. He's you know, been a few years pro and a pretty steady defensive defenseman. And, and obviously, I think Knoxville can use some of that right now. So um, he gets to go up against his former team coming up this Saturday. And for Osmondson... Uh, he was a point per game player throughout his college career. Um, you know, this past season he had 25 points in 29 games for Utica, which only lost four games all season. Two of them were to Adrian early in the year. That was when Adrian was the number one ranked team in the nation. And then the first week of March, going into the NCAA tournament, Utica was actually the number one team in the country. And so Osmondson, obviously a very big offensive piece for that. And then they were upset in the NCAA quarterfinals by New England uh, in overtime. So. Um, Osmondson, you know, part of a, a program that knows how to win and obviously feeling the disappointment of maybe having a season that could have ended in a championship that didn't and now gets another opportunity. So, you know, a guy that I think is hungry coming in and wanting to help a team have some postseason success. So on top of that, uh, Cam Huff has now uh, returned from his ECHL loan to Wichita. So Cam Huff has returned to the Knoxville Ice Bears. Nolan Slahetka's IR stint has been extended to 30 days, and Cole McKechnie, with a hit that he took in the game against Roanoke on Sunday, has been placed on the 21-day IR. Um, playoff rosters have to be finalized by April 10th, but retroacting, um, retroing that that 21-day IR stint for Cole to Sunday's game means he would miss the first round of the SPHL playoffs if he is put on the postseason roster. So. Uh, keep in mind, you get an extra man on that roster, so it's a 20-man roster. Uh, you can place players that are on the IR or even on call-up to the ECHL on that 20-man roster, but if you deal with injuries or, or or if pre-existing injuries turn out to be worse, there's not really a whole lot that you can do, or if players don't come back from call-ups, that's just the way it is. So, um, you know, last year, Knoxville uh, kept Rasmus Wax and Engback off the playoff roster. They, they put Stefan Brucato on it, because the thought was is that Brew would be ready for the second round of the playoffs if Knoxville advanced, and we all know how that worked out, but that's kind of the risk you take of putting injured players on the playoff roster instead of either bringing somebody in or taking somebody else, and um, you know, obviously you're trying to maximize the possibility of, of the most talent that your team can have, and so those are decisions that the coaching staff's going to have to make in the coming weeks, but obviously wishing Cole a very speedy recovery and uh, hoping nothing but the best for him moving forward as he kind of helps support his teammates during these last three regular season games. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Again, Knoxville at Evansville this Saturday at 8 o'clock Eastern time. We'll have the call for you on 105.1 WKCE. I appreciate you listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify.